0: Good. So this is part two of uh, what we started with last week. So we started looking at the life of Abram last week and um, about specifically about the promise which God called him into. So Abram was non-suspecting. He didn't, I don't even think he had the dream to go to Canaan. He was just happy to be with his family at Haran and uh, the Lord came to him. And chose him and said listen I choose you, I pick you and out of you who is a single man and a woman and they didn't have any offspring. But from you I will make a great nation and this nation will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. All the peoples of the earth. Now this is is a big deal. I mean imagine one day you sit minding your own business doing your job and God comes to you and say listen man i'd pick you right now the, yeah, where you are with whatever skills you have with whatever giftings you have i pick you to change the whole course of history i pick you to change the whole world and everything around you looks contrary to it cuz you You're not even from a people. You're not even from a tribe. You're not even from a recognized community. How will the world even see me? How will the world even know me? So this is what must have been going through Abram's mind. But then the word says, Abram believed God. And it was counted as righteousness. So then we saw last week how Abram went through this whole journey, making a lot of mistakes, being very human but trusting God, moving forward. And we saw that he made his own plans. We saw that he tried, him and Sarah tried to help God out with the fulfillment of this promise. And we had to think a little bit, how many times in our lives do we try to help God with our, with our promises, with our dreams? And at the end of the day, we saw that, that your dream is God's dream, or it's supposed to be at least. We're, we're not really supposed to develop or build or, or try to bring to life our own dreams. We're supposed to bring to life the dream that God has for us because I believe that He has chosen and purposed every single person. And I, I thought about that this morning as well when I was just thinking... And I remembered in, in our previous, com, previous community there was, there was a couple who randomly they, they went out. For, they had a young baby. The baby was with a grandmother. Two, two, three months old. Baby was with a the grandmother. They went on a date. They came back. And when they picked the baby up to go home, the baby was dead. And then I think, but what's the purpose of that? What is the purpose of this little baby? But you should see what happened to that couple after this. How it absolutely changed their life and their view of life and their, their, their devotion to the community and their devotion to the church and devotion to God. I'm not saying that God took that baby. I'm saying that God uses every single life for His purposes. However it turns out, God can use for His purposes. And so God has a purpose for each and every one of us. Each one sitting here, God has a purpose. And we have to stay close to the ear of God. We have to stay close to, to the path that He is directing us on if we want to fulfill this. And then the other thing we said last week, that if your dream isn't bigger than you, your, the God dream, the God-sized dream, the dream that God places in your heart. And I spoke to, to the teenagers last week. God sit droom in jou hart vir jou leven. En die droom gaan groter wees as wat jy dink jy uit kan vervul. In fact, if the dream isn't bigger than you, if it isn't bigger than what you think you can do, it's probably not the God dream. Because God gives you a dream that only He can fulfill through you, not that what you can fulfill. And all He's asking of us, like of Abram. He's not asking Abram. He didn't ask Abram to be perfect in all his ways. He didn't ask Abram to, to, to not make mistakes. He didn't ask him to do everything right. He just asked Abram to have faith and to trust him. And so now we pick up the story once again in Genesis 22. So they've had now 25 years of following and trusting God for this dream and they haven't seen anything yet. And then we saw that eventually they had the son that God promised. They had Isaac. And so Isaac grew up with them. I believe that Abram, knowing the promise of God, knowing that that through Isaac will be the blessing to all the nations. Abraham must have put in a lot of extra and specific work into Isaac, into his development, into who he is, into the young man that he would become to prepare him for God's work. Hey? All right. So let's pick that up. We're going to pick it up at Genesis 22, verse 1 to 18. So now, some time have passed, Isaac is now about... Anything between 18 and 35 years old. Alright? He's not... Our our children Bibles have this picture of this little boy being bound together and put on the altar. Isaac wasn't a little boy. He was a man. He was a young man. That makes Abram about 120. Alright? Just keep this in mind when we come to that stage. Sometime after these things, God tested Abram. He said to him, Abram, here I am, Abram replied. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. But didn't he have another son? Ishmael. But Ishmael was born out of, let's call it, the fleshly desire to fulfill the dreams of God. And in Romans, Paul says, Not all who are descendants of Abram are Israel. Are God's people. Not all things you do out of your flesh are the promises of God. So not all things will be equally protected in your life. God protects His promises and His purposes for us. For a specific reason. So that we could be a blessing to the nations. But when we come and we try to to help him, when we try to make our own things happen, then mistakes happen, like Ishmael. Even though he loved Ishmael, God didn't count him as a son. Take your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him up there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will indicate to you. And for a moment, I think we just should put ourselves in in Abram's shoes just for a moment. Think about your dream. Think about what what God has been doing in you. God has been working in you. Think about what you have been, been living your life for over the last few years. It might be a child. It might be a ministry. It might be a house, it might be a coffee shop. Think, just put yourself in Abram's, Abram's shoes. Now you have worked towards this, you have trusted God, you have waited 25 years for this to happen and then eventually it happens and everything is well and you, you're, you're related and you, you say, yes, God is true to His word, He's, uh, he's, uh, he's faithful, He's ever faithful. And then one day God comes to you and says, okay, now take that thing and kill it. Offer it up. Remove it from you. It's actually a very, as I think, it's actually a very spiritual thing to do. (laughs) Cutting away. Remove it. What would you do? Right now, what's your first impression? What would you do if God now tells you to lay your dream down? What would you say? How would you react? So get behind me, Satan. The enemy must be trying to mingle in you with my plans, with my dream, because God gave me this dream. God would never ask me to do this. Who has ever had people consult you or or give you some counsel? And you say, man, I I feel like God is asking me to do this difficult thing. And you say, no, God would never ask you to do that. (laughs) Huh? Would He? Would He ask you to kill your darling? The thing that is so close to your heart? How would we react? This is what Abram did. Verse 3. Say, early in the next morning. Immediately, Abram got up and saddled his donkey. And he took two of his young servants with him along with his son Isaac. And when he had cut the wood for the burnt offering, he started out for the place God had spoken to him about. Two things that I get from this. The best way to be obedient to God is immediately. If we are not immediately obedient to God, we leave the window open for the enemy to come and to say what he always does when he wants to make us doubt. Did God really say? Did he really say you must kill this thing? Didn't he give it to you? Haven't you worked so hard for this? Maybe it's only hypothetical. Maybe you mustn't really kill the thing. Maybe you must just go buy a dove and then let the dove go and say the dove is this thing, and then I I, I, I got rid of it in my heart, but I'm clinging onto it in reality. Didn't I just hear wrong? So the enemy comes, and he starts with reasoning, 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 and reasoning is the enemy of obedience. We are not called to reason with God. We are called to obey God. Jesus didn't say, those who love me, reason with me and and try to find out what I really meant when I said to do something. See, Those who love me, obey me. They do what I say. Because love is something we don't understand as on a human term. Love is what Jesus showed us. Love is sacrifice. Love is laying down your life. Love is putting someone else's desires above your own. So on the third day, Abram caught sight of the place in the distance. So he said to his, dis- to his servants, You two stay here with the donkey while the boy and I go up there and we will worship and then return to you we will worship and then return to you did abram lie nope he was going to offer up his son he was going to kill his son and he told the servant i'm going there to worship <coughs> obedience is worship worship is obedience no use we stand here and we sing these awesome songs and and we declare the goodness of God and all that, everything is true and we experience His presence and even sometimes in worship He tells us to lay this down or lay this down or lay this down and we don't do it. We reason with it. So the word worship that Abram used here, the Hebrew is shachach. Shachach There are many different expressions of worship in the Bible. But this specific word he used is not offering. But it is to bow yourself down low. To go and lie prostrate before the Lord. To humble yourself. To take on the position of humility before the Lord. So what is he saying? He's saying, I'm going up there. To put the will of the Father above my own will. I'm going up there to to surrender to Him. God can only breathe life into a surrendered dream. He cannot fulfill a dream for you or for me or for anybody else if we try to put our own life into it. Our dreams have to be surrendered completely to the will and the ways of God. Then it will fulfill the purpose which God... We might get a lot of benefit out of even the journey on our way to the dream. We might get all the blessings. Like Abraham had many blessings. He went out of every area we went. He went with more and more and more. But he could only fulfill the dream if this thing happened. I wrote down here this morning when I read through this again, this thing struck me. He said, Abram was able to do this. Abram was able to be obedient to God. Abram was able to lay down his Isaac because in the equation, Abram didn't become God of the dream and God the servant of the dream. Do you understand what I'm saying? Many times when God gives us something, God gives us a gift, He gives us a dream, He gives us a promise. Then somewhere along the line in this equation, we become the God of the promise, the Lord of the promise. It's all about us, it's about, and God becomes a servant who has to make it all work. But it's the other way around, it's always supposed to be the other way around. Lord God must always be the Lord of the dream and we are the servant of the dream. We are only stewards of what God is giving us. We are only stewards of the, of the abilities and the talents and the gifts and the, 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 every good thing in life. Whether it's, whether it's possessions or whether it's good relationships or whether it's ability or whether it's friendships or whether it's whatever, children. We are only stewards of what God is giving us. And the moment we get onto the throne of the dream, God is a gentleman. (laughs) He will get off. He will not even fight with us over the position of the throne. We will just not be able to receive life from it. But if we are able to stay the servant of whatever God has given us, (sighs) We will see many, many, many fruits from it. Didn't Jesus say he who hangs on to his life will lose it. But he who is willing to give up his life for my sake will receive real life in abundance. And the other thing Abram said, we will worship, and he said, we will return. We will return. Did he lie? We know he's a liar. He lied about Sarah's being his sister, but I don't believe he lied here. I believe he trusted God. I believe he knew that God would either provide a way out or stop him. Or I believe he believed that God would be able to raise Isaac from the dead. But he said, "We will return." And in that he showed trust in the character and in the goodness and in the promises of God. He knew that God is not able to break his promise because God is not a man that he should lie. So in fact, it's actually a little bit true to say that God would never do that to you. But it's not to him that God is not doing it it's to god's own word it's to god's own promises because god is not able to not fulfill his word if there's one thing god is not able to do it's that he's not able to lie because it's not in him he has no evil in him he has no light ah no darkness in him he is only light so we go on abram took the wood for the burnt offering and put it on his son Isaac's back. Alright, so that's just a little bit of proof that Isaac couldn't be a little boy because how much would you need to consume a body? Baya. So, so, it plain sinkie klomp genoeg kon om te consume. So, Isaac was a young man. He was able to fight off his dad if he wanted to. So it took just as much faith as Abram had in the father for Isaac to have faith in his father. To know that you are doing the right thing. And I honor you. I honor you as you honor God. Even though it's going to cost me my life. And isn't that exactly what Jesus Christ did? As Isaac must have said to Abram, Because they must have been like, what are you doing? Like, what? And then eventually, okay. As you wish. Because I'm submitted to you. I'm under you. So it took something from Isaac as well. And I wrote you: do we trust God with our dreams and gifts enough to place it back into his hands? Do we trust God enough? I don't even think anymore that that's supposed to be the question that we're asking. I actually think that's completely the wrong question as I think about it now. Are we submitted enough to God? Are we humble enough to say to God, God, Whether you make this dream come true or not, I surrender to you. Whether I ever see the fulfillment of this dream or not, I surrender it to you. Because I know that you are sovereign. I know that you know the best. I know that you have your ways and your plans and I'm only your servant. I just feel a thing rising in me. Because there are many ministries and churches teaching at the moment and I must be very careful with this because I'm 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 one with our identity in Christ and I'm one with what God has made us and restored us in his image and all that but then sometimes it goes a little bit too far for me where people start to say but you are the God of Your universe, I'm putting it very, very bluntly or very stupidly. But you rule. We don't rule, God rules. We are His servants. We are His sons. As Isaac was a son of Abram and Isaac was willing to lay himself down because Abram said so. We are sons of God and a son is a servant. A son is never above the father. Never. Let's move on. Then he took the fire and the knife in his hand and the two of them walked on together. And Isaac said to his father Abram, My father, what is it, my son? He replied. Here is the fire and the wood, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And then Abram said, God, will provide the lamb. And right here, I I get chills as I say this. God will provide the lamb. Because in this is, is, is all of the gospel. Is in this, God will provide the lamb. Jesus Christ is the lamb of God. Why was there an offering even? What was this whole system of, of why was there a lamb? We have to understand this. To understand this whole thing of Abram and Isaac and the lamb. Why was there a lamb? Why was there supposed to be an offering? Because all of it, the very reason for Isaac, the very reason God chose Abram is the beginning of what we call salvation history. It all leads up to the lamb that God will provide for this one reason that we would be reconciled to God, that we would be reconciled, made one with Him again, restored in His image, that we could have relationship with Him, that we could not be enemies anymore, that He could call us friends. And all through the Old Testament system, you see that that God brought forth many, many different kinds of sacrifices that had to be made. Offerings that had to be made. There was a daily offering. There was a sin offering. There was many, many, many different offerings. And each time, animals or food or drink had to be sacrificed and poured out before God, which represents life. All because we were unable to have life in ourselves. Because we were separated from life when Adam and Eve sinned. So, for us to be reconciled to God, the problem with all those offerings, it it only lasted so long. Listen here, I'm going to quickly read um, Hebrews 10, verse 1 to 7, just to give us an understanding. The sacrifices that the system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. What's the desire of God for our hearts? Perfect cleansing. Why? Why do we have to be holy and blameless before God? You can go an answer. Because God is holy and blameless, and water and oil don't mix. So, if water is holy and oil is not holy, then we cannot be with God. We cannot be reconciled to Him. So, God had to find ways. One of the ways was creating then a system of of commandments. What was the purpose of the commandments? To show us that we are oil and not water. Not to make us water. Romans says that the system, the commandments can never make us water. It shows us that we are oil and not water. Therefore there had to be sacrifices. So that for a while the oil could be washed off. So that we can be water. (laughs) But then sin would come again. And we would be oily again and we can't mix with water. So we had to have another sacrifice and another sacrifice. Alright? If they could have provided perfect cleansing for those who came to worship, if they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshippers would have been purified once for all time and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. So what does the oil do? Let's call oil sin. The oil comes and comes around our heart. It clogs us. And because we feel guilty, because we we know that we are not worthy, we can't come close to God. Alright? But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it was not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, the very purpose of Isaac. So that from him a nation could come. And that nation would come, become a blessing to all nations. So that when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings. But you have given me, Christ, a body to offer and you were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the Scriptures. And then three verses later, verse 10, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Christ once for all time. God provided the lamb. He provided once and for all the way that we could no longer be oily, but pure water so that we could be as God is pure. All right. Churches focus so much on the provision of God. So Abram went and he said, I call this place after the name of God, I'll call the name of God Jehovah Jireh, which means God provides. And churches so often focus on the physical provision of God and how He makes our lives better and 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 many churches are built on that. Many churches are mega churches because all they talk about is you will be blessed, you will be blessed, you will have this and you will have cars and you will have houses and all that kind of stuff. But the real provision, the real thing this was about is God provided the way for us to be reconciled to Him. That is the beginning and the end of the provision of God. Out of that flows all other blessings. We cannot focus on even rely on other provision of God if we do not first receive the provision of the Lamb. He is our provision. Let's carry on verse 9. When Abram came to the place, God had told him about Abram built the altar there and arranged for the wood on it. Next, he tied up the son Isaac and placed him on the altar and on top of the wood. Then Abram reached out his hand, took his knife and prepared to slaughter his son. Abram didn't start Going slowly and say, okay, so what's, maybe maybe I heard wrong, you know. And even, it took them three days to get there. Imagine all that time Abram could have said, oh my goodness, no, I'm going to change my mind. But Abram went through, through with it. And the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abram, Abram, here I am, he answered. Do not harm the boy, the angel said. Do not do anything to Him. And here is the the key verse for us. For now I know you fear God, because you did not withhold your Son, your only Son, from me. Now I know you fear God, The thing is, we can say over and over and over to God, God, you are God, I'm your servant, I surrender to you, I place my life under yours, I'm willing to follow you wherever you lead me, I'm willing to go wherever you go, all that kind of stuff. We can do it in worship, we can write it down, we can all that. But what do we do when God tests it and says, Okay, kill your dream. Didn't Jesus say, no one can follow me unless he first denies himself and takes up his cross. See, it's in the denial of ourselves, it's in the denial of our dreams, it's in the denial of the things that we really truly hope for that we show picking up the knife and starting to slaughter. It took that long before God stopped it. To see that he is completely... See, he could have had a conversation with Abram. He said, Abram, what would you do if I take Isaac away? Mm-hmm. And then I, I, Abram could be like very Sunday Say, oh no. You are God. Take him. He didn't do that. He said, Abram, go and slaughter your dream. Kill your dream. For now I know that you fear God, because you did not withhold your son, your only son, from me. Abram looked up and saw behind him a ram caught in the bushes by its horns. So he went over and got the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abram called the name of the place the Lord provides, Jehovah Jireh. This is said to this day in the mountain of the Lord, provision will be made. The angel of the Lord called to Abram a second time from heaven and said, I solemnly swear by my own name, declares the Lord, that because you have done this. Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you. And I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be countless as the stars in the sky. Or the grains of the sand of the seashore. See this is all the things that God already promised him 25 years ago. Before there was an Isaac. Before there was even this whole journey. God promised all this stuff to him. But now God says by my own name. There is no way that this will be taken from you. There is no way that this can be stolen from you because you have laid down the life of this very thing. So what is he saying? The safest place for our dreams and our hopes, the safest place for our giftings, the safest place for, 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 for what God has given us is dead back in his hands because then he can come and he takes it and he breathes his life on it. And then it's not a hope and a dream anymore. It's a reality. It's something that is set, that is manifest. And from there on, the nation grew and we read the story of Isaac and we go on. So I want to close off with a few thoughts. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then I'm going to play us a song, where we can just sit and reflect. During that song, the first thing I want us to to just spend time with God around this morning is: Are our dreams and our desires and our hopes from God? Are we building our own dreams or empires, or are we building what He has called us to build? To test it, you can ask yourself, is this dream bigger than me? And if you, if you find yourself thinking that you know what, God gave me this thing but I didn't think I could do it. So I walked away from it. Go and revisit that again. God confirmed to Abram three times and then a fourth time after the sacrifice. Has God confirmed your dream to you? When I was contemplating going into full-time ministry 15 years ago, my mentor at that time, we sat and we talked about this and he said, there are two callings that you need to have. An internal calling and an external calling. Because God calls you internally, He awakens the dream but then he sends someone to confirm that yes, that is what you must do. And I had the internal calling for about two years before I had the external calling. Just waiting on the Lord. Other question is, are we surrendered to God with regards to our dreams and our gifts and what he has given us? And I think this will probably be for all of us a time of repentance. Repentance. Have we become the Lord of our dreams and God the servant? Maybe we should get that equation back. And then are we committed to steward and not own what God has given us? The Bible says all good things are from God. All things. I'm not just here talking about our dreams. Everything God has given us He's given us to steward and when we stew at something and not own it, it will become a blessing for others. But when we own it, we'll literally smother it to death. <laughs> so I'm going to put on this song and then let's just spend time with God and then we'll pray together.